welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. We're going to be concluding this, this series that we've been doing for the last four weeks. Today is part four. There's a series that's titled The Good Work. And um, if you're taking notes, the subtitle for today is called uh, Don't Be Distracted. And so with that, uh, concluding this, you know, we started this thing off and we're talking about this guy by the name of Nehemiah, looking at his story, his situation, and how God used him to do a good work. Our takeaway from this has been that our father, we have a father that specializes in using ordinary, everyday people like you and me. And, um, you know, I believe that the story of Nehemiah, that it can that through his story, we all can find some encouragement, um, some inspiration to allow for God to use us and who are just like Nehemiah. We're just ordinary, everyday people, you know, but hopefully we can find some encouragement, some inspiration from his story that would inspire us to do the good work. In part two, I told you guys that in most cases, you don't know if you're at the beginning of something great, when something there's different times in our life, different spaces in our lives where things are changing, things are shifting, things are moving, and we don't know what exactly is going on. And we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to, you know, see what their decisions that we have to make, things that we have to do. And we're tr as we're trying to figure it out, you know, it's very seldom that people know when they're at the beginning of something great. They just know that something's happening, something's changing. And so I believe that, you know, we're at the beginning of something great that God wants to do in our lives, whether this uh, something great is corporately uh, pertaining to the church or whether this is something that's uh, individual in our own individual lives. I'm sure that many of you uh, probably have some things that are going on in your life right now, some things that are shifting, some things that are changing in your life right now. And you're trying to figure out, you're trying to, you know, uh, Find out the answers and figure out which direction you should go, which decisions you should make. And again, you may not know that you're at the beginning of something great. So whether it's corporately or whether it's individually, I believe that God wants to and desires to do something great in our lives. You know, and, and, and um, uh, uh, you know, you may not be the fastest person. You may not be the strongest person. You may not be the smartest. You may not be, you know, the wisest person. Uh, you may not have the most degrees, the most accolades. You know, you're just an everyday, ordinary person, just like I am, just like Marguerite is. And I don't mean that in no disrespectful or disgraceful, demeaning way, but we're just everyday, ordinary people. And, you know, you may feel like, you know, at times you may feel like you're not qualified. You may feel like you're not good enough. You may feel like you're not perfect enough. Just know this, that God desires to use everyday, ordinary people like you and me to do the good work. Nehemiah, he was just an everyday, ordinary guy. He wasn't anybody special. He wasn't a great leader. He wasn't 
uh, a great athlete. He wasn't the strongest. He wasn't the smartest. He didn't have a lot of degrees or accolades. He was a cupbearer to the king in, in Persia. And he heard about his people, the Jews, who had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the city of to rebuild the city because it had been destroyed uh, by it had been destroyed in war by the Babylonians. The Babylonians came in and uh, defeated the Israelites and took them into captivity. Uh, they were in exile in other lands in the land of Babylonia and, and their city, their cities were burned down, torched and, and, and crumbled, left to rubbles. Well, after after about 150 years or so, the, the uh, Hebrews, the Jews are no longer in captivity, but they're still in exile. They're spread out all over you know, that part of the world. And uh, a quite a few, well, not a quite a few, but a small number of them, about 50,000, returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. Nehemiah heard about their work and their efforts to try to rebuild the city. It broke his heart. Um, and he started fasting and he started praying. He wanted to do something, but he did not know what to do. Um, but he was at a place where he felt that, man, uh, I want to do something. I got to do something. I just don't know what to do. So what he did is he prayed. He prayed and he asked God, uh, you know, uh, uh, for you know a couple of things. But one of the things that's very specific that he asked God for is to give him favor with the king. Keep in mind, he was the cupbearer to the king. He has access to the king. He sees the king every day. He's very close to him, very uh, uh, um, intimate with him. The king trusts him. In order to be a cupbearer, it has to be someone that the king can trust and trust with his life because the cupbearer will test his drinks and test his food and make sure that it's not being poisoned. Nobody's trying to kill or assassinate him you know, through his food and drinks. And so that had to be someone who was extremely trustworthy to the king. And so he has this relationship with the king and he, he asked God, give me favor with the king concerning this situation with his people, the Jews that were in Jerusalem trying to rebuild the city. Um, and, and fast forwarding, the king, he talks to the king um, and he shares with the king what was going on. And he asked the king if he could go back to Jerusalem and help rebuild the city. And the king of Persia grants him his request. Not only does he grant him his request, he sends a letter with him to give him passage through the countries that he has to pass through to get back to Jerusalem. He also sends soldiers with him to protect him and also to help with the work. And he sends letters to surrounding countries uh, telling them to donate materials to Nehemiah uh, so that they can rebuild the wall around the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah does this and he takes off and uh, he gets to Jerusalem. He assesses the work. And he begins the good work and uh, he tells the people there and they all begin to work. The wall is being built. The gates are being constructed. Things are going great. And they're doing this at a very fast pace. And just like uh, we talked about last week is that when the good work started and their progress started, all of a sudden here come the haters. You know, every time we're doing something good, every time we're doing something positive, meaningful, especially when it pertains to God, it seems like the devil began to show his head. Before he was just quiet, he was dormant, he left, he left left, you know, he left them alone. But now here he comes, he's rearing his head, and here come the haters. You know, people from surrounding countries, they began to oppose the work that Nehemiah and the Jews were doing. And so Nehemiah, he did not respond to their opposition. He did not give any attention to them. Instead, what he did is he continued to do the work that was in progress. He continued to do the good work. So that's a real fast summary or review of the last three lessons. Today, 
our lesson is uh, don't be distracted. Man. Don't be distracted. Every time that you're doing something great, every time that you're doing something meaningful, especially when it pertains to God, the devil, he shows up with enemies. He shows up with haters. He shows up with circumstances and situations that will distract you from doing the work. And we have to be very careful that we do not let distraction, you know, knock us off course of doing the work. If the devil cannot destroy you, if the enemy cannot destroy you, what he will do is try his best to distract you. He may not be able to take your life, but if he can get you off focus of the thing that you're supposed to be doing, then he has succeeded. In other words, the work won't continue. So do not be distracted when he shows up. You just let the good work do what? Let the good work continue. Do like Nehemiah did. Do not be distracted. Continue the good work. When Sambalot, Sambalot was this guy, you know, he was, he was the one who started the opposition and he got other surrounding leaders, uh, governors and, and, and dignitary people to join along with him. He, the leaders in the military and in their army, uh, the Syrian army uh, to oppose, you know, to join, you know, to think and act like he was to go against the Jews. And they were actually plotting to attack them, to sneak in and attack them at nighttime. And one of the things that Nehemiah did, he planted guards around the city at the openings of the gates where they was doing construction to make sure that, you know, they, they weren't, people weren't sneaking in and trying to, you know, sabotage them and trying to uh, get them at nighttime and attack them. So uh, when Sambalot, Sambalot, he heard about, the work that they were doing, even though he was bringing up all types of opposition, he was getting people to, you know, put together this plan to attack the Jews. And Nehemiah, every time he heard about something, he did not respond to them. He just continued to do the work. And then he put some people in place to help protect in case somebody did try to come, uh, try to attack them. Yeah. The wall was going up at a very fast pace. They're doing some great work. And so he did not allow for this to be a distraction to him. OK, Sambalot, he's hearing that, man, this thing is continuing to go forward. They are not being moved by, you know, uh, our opposition. They are continuing. So we got to we got to uh, Sambalot's like, OK, we got to flex a little bit stronger because they're not fearful of us. They're not afraid of us. So we got to flex a little bit harder. So here we are in chapter six now of Nehemiah. And this is what Sambalot does. All right. Reading verse number one, chapter six, Sambalot, uh, Tobiah, Geshem, who was an Arab and the rest of the enemies and the rest of our enemies. They found out that I had finished building the wall and that there were no gaps remaining, though we had not yet finished the doors and the gates. So here, the uh, Nehemiah and the Jews, they had got the wall finished. They kept working. They weren't distracted. <clears throat> they kept moving forward. They did not pay any attention to the hate, their haters, uh, which was Sambalai, Tobiah, and Geshem, and some and, and the armies, other surrounding arm, armies and enemies. Didn't pay them no attention. They just continued to do the work. They got the wall finished. So at this point, they got the gates finished also. So they constructed the gates. They got the wall constructed all the way to the full height that it used to be. But they had not yet put the gates in place. So this was their next phase is to get those gates put in place. Sambalai hears about this. And so he sends a letter. And so, so, so this is where we are here in chapter number six. Um, he said, although we had not yet uh, set up the doors and the gates. And in verse number two, it says, so Sambalot and Geshem sent a message 
uh, asking me to uh, meet with them in one of the villages in the plain called Ono. All right. Y'all hear that? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. He said, so Sambalot and Geshem, they sent a message <laughs> to Nehemiah telling him to meet with them in a village in a plain called Ono. Now, if a city is called Ono and some people telling you to come meet there, maybe the city is telling you, oh, no, don't do this. Right. <laughs> so I, I remember this time it, it, when I when I was reading this, I remember this time where it was in the early stages of Crosstown Church. And I had a situation with another pastor. And this let's just say this situation was um, uh, we saw something different, differently. Mm-hmm. Me and this other pastor, we saw something differently. And, you know, I was moving forward with the building of Crosstown Church. And, you know, he opposed something that I wanted to do. I had not done it yet, but it was something that I wanted to do in the building, in the starting of Crosstown Church. And he opposed it. All right. When he opposed it, he invited me to a meeting to discuss this thing, all right, this thing that we saw differently. So I went to the meeting and it turned out to be something that I did not expect. I was sabotaged. I get to this meeting, you know, and find out that this was a a, a total setup. I sat down this meeting with some other leaders. You know, it was probably about 15 people. About 15, yeah, about 15 people, all leaders, leaders in the church, okay? And all of them, one by one, began to tell me uh, or give me reasons why they opposed the work that I wanted to do pertaining to Crosstown Church. And after the meeting, you know, I I sat there and I listened to them and um, I was, you know, kind of shocked. Um. And after the meeting was over, they told me, they said, uh, well, thank you for coming to this meeting and uh, we will get back with you on our decision. And they they had a guy to escort me out. I'm literally, literally escort me out all the way to my car. This guy walked with me. Okay. And so here's the deal. Nehemiah was much smarter than I was, much smarter than me. He knew, Nehemiah knew that this meeting, this invite was not for his best interest. He knew that this was a setup. He knew that they were, had no interest whatsoever in, in helping him and, 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 and you know helping the good work that they were doing. He knew that they were haters. He knew that they were against him. He knew that they were plotting against him. And he knew that this was not a good idea. I wasn't that smart, guys. I, I, I had a feeling, I had a gut feeling that this was not a good meeting, but I went anyway, and it was a setup. It was a sabotage. Um, you know, verse number two, chapter six, verse number two, the story goes on here. Nehemiah says, he said, but I realized that they were plotting to harm me. So I, pr- I replied to them with this message. He says, I am engaged in a great work, so I cannot come. Why should I stop doing the work to come meet with you? Nehemiah was like, okay, I, 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 I know what's going on right here. Y'all are my haters. I already know this thing. I figured this thing out. So I'm not going to your meeting. Why should I go to this meeting? I should have been as smart as Nehemiah. I should have sent a message. Okay. I shouldn't even call them. I shouldn't have texted them. I should have, I should have sent a messenger and delivered a message for me and said to him, I, 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 I'm not coming to the meeting. Uh, y'all do what y'all want to do. I'm finna go on and do what I'm finna do. But 
I wasn't smart. Nehemiah, he turned down their invitation to meet. And then when he turned it down, this is what they did. Sambalot sent messages three more times. He was persistent. Nehemiah, meet with us. Nehemiah, meet with us. Nehemiah, meet with us. And so Nehemiah, every single time, he did not get distracted. He did not allow for their, their, what they were trying to do to distract him from doing the work. He continued to do the work. He stayed commitment to the work that he had it, that was at hand. The fifth time, the fifth time Sambalot comes to him one more time. He said, oh, this dude, he, want, he playing some real hardball. He, we, we already told, we already, uh, you know, he already know we, we oppose his work. He already knows that, you know, we have he've heard that we have been plotting to attack them. So he set up some guards all around the city and stuff. OK, so now, OK, he's flexing. We got to flex. We flex. We, he won't meet with us. We're trying to get him to meet. We asked this man four times to meet with us. OK, OK, here we go. So Sambalot, he sends another messenger the fifth time. In verse number six, he says this. He says, there is a rumor. A rumor. How many times have people spread rumors about you? Rumors, okay? He says, there is a rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me that this, these rumors are true, that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and that is why you are building the wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. So here, uh, uh, Sambalot is sending, he sent another message, a fifth message saying, oh, okay, here's the rumor. The rumor is that you guys are planning to rebel against the king. This is why you're building this wall to protect the city. And, and you're telling you're going to be their king. All right. He says, he also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to say, look, there is the king of Judah. All right. He said, you can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. What king is he referring to? He's referring to the king in Persia, the king that he was the cupbearer to, the king that gave him permission to go to Jerusalem to build a wall, the king that gave him letters of, 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 of safe passage to other countries, the king that sent letters to surrounding countries telling them to donate materials. All right. The king that he prayed and asked God for favor for, and God gave him favor with the king. And, and, and this is the very king. This is saying, surely, he said, you can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. Mm. He's threatening him. Sambalot makes up rumors and he's he threatens Nehemiah with those rumors, trying to force him to meet with him. Here's the thing about rumors. Rumors are carried out by haters. They're spread by fools and they are believed by idiots. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> if you're writing notes, if you're taking notes down, I want you to write this down. I'm going to say it one more time. Rumors are carried by haters. They're spread by fools and they are believed by idiots. This is something that uh, uh, Nehemiah realized. He realized that, that Sambalot and all the other ones that was opposing him, they were haters. He realized that they were fools. He realized that they were idiots. Everybody that's believing them are idiots. If you're going to believe this man, then y'all are a bunch of idiots yourselves. If you pay attention to rumors, you will get distracted. How many mm. times in your life is it that you were doing something good? You were doing something progressive, moving forward with your life, bettering your life, helping people, doing something for God, whatever it might be, whatever it was that you were doing, it was something good and meaningful, something with purpose. And people come out spreading rumors. Mm. 
spreading rumors, stuff that's not true. And how many times, though, have you allowed for that to distract you from doing what you were supposed to be doing? Wow. Maybe it didn't stop you from doing what you were doing, but it probably slowed you down. Maybe it didn't stop you, but maybe it did hinder the work. Maybe it delayed it. Maybe it took you off course for a while. You putting a whole lot of energy into somebody else's stupidity. Do not let rumors be your distraction. I can't tell you how many times in my life where it seemed like things were going great. Things are moving good. Man, I'm, I'm living on cloud nine. Then all of a sudden, here come some rumors. And it seemed like it set me back 10 years. <laughs> I had a whole year of, of wonderful success. And then rumor set me back 10 years. That's what, at least that's what it felt like, you know, when those times were happen. I remember um, in the, another uh, situation in the early uh, days of Crosstown Church, in the building of Crosstown Church, um, um, my old Sunday school teacher, and, and bless her heart, she, she didn't mean nothing by it, uh, okay? So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. But she came to me and she said, uh, she said, Byron, she said, I heard that y'all were serving liquor in your church. I said, huh? <laughs> and called me off God. She said, yeah. I, she said, nah, nah, I don't mind. I don't, I don't care about drinking. Nah, that's what you do. That's what you do. That's your thing. She said, but yeah, I heard y'all were serving liquor in y'all church. And I was thinking like, have I ever served liquor in our church before? Yeah. I mean, here I am questioning my own self, knowing that this is something that we ain't never done before, but I'm actually questioning my own self. Like, have I ever served liquor in the church before? No. And I'm like, no, we ain't never served no liquor in the church before. I was like, where did you hear that from? She said, I don't know. You know, that's, that's just what I heard. I'm like, okay, no, ma'am, we're not serving liquor in our church. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. Don't worry about people. Don't worry about what people say that's not true about you. Worry about what they say that is true about you. Here was something that was said that was not true, that we were serving liquor at Crosstown Church. I didn't worry about it. I didn't give any attention to it. I mean, why should I? I just said, no, we're not serving liquor in our church. That was, that was the, end, the beginning and the end of it. And and. Here's the deal. Don't worry about what people are saying that's not true about you. Worry about what they say that is true about you. In verse number eight, Nehemiah, he replied, and he says, he says to uh, uh, Sambalot that when he sent the messenger to him, he replied and sent a message back to Sambalot. He said, there is no truth in any part of your story. He said, you are making the whole thing up. It ain't real. Nehemiah, he did not let their rumors discourage him. It made him even more determined. How many times have people's rumors discouraged us? I, I can tell you I'm guilty. I have let people's rumors in different times throughout my life in different situations. I have let people's rumors discourage me. And I'm just saying, I want to encourage you. Do not let people's rumors discourage you. Instead, do what Nehemiah did. Let those things make you even more determined, more determined to do the work that you're doing. Amen. When people make up rumors to distract you or to discredit you about the good work that you're doing, use that as fuel and motivation to make you even more determined. Amen. In verse number nine, it says, Nehemiah says this, he says, they were, they were just trying to intimidate us, thinking that they could discourage us and stop the work. 
When rumors come out, just know that people are trying to intimidate you. Know that they're trying to discourage you to do what? To stop the work. So I continue. Nehemiah says, so I continued the work with even greater determination. So instead of letting that, those rumors intimidate him, instead of letting those rumors encourage him, he did the exact opposite. He continued the work and he did it with even greater determination. So when rumors come, when, when distractions come, do not let those distractions rear you off course of doing the good work that's happening in your life, the good work that God is steering you toward. You know, I said in a, 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 a well, let me just say this. Um, I'm going to end this series the way that I started it. And this is how I started it. And in the very beginning, I, you know, I said that our society, it has the tendency to draw our attention to those um, that uh, those people that everyone sees as the most likely candidate. You know, who's the most likely candidate? And that's what our society, that's what we tend to do. We draw towards those people. You know, there may be a, a, a job opening right now that you are aware of. And, and in that job opening, people may be already beginning to look at who's the most likely candidate. You know, um, when we look at, you know, sports, you know, and there's a draft, they're looking at who's the most likely one, who, who's, who's the one. You know, our society tends to, you know, put people into these categories and they pick people accordingly. You know, it looks at the, the best of the best. It looks at the strongest, the fastest, the smartest, the ones that got the most degrees, the ones that has the most accolades. If you are one of those people that tends, or if you are one of those people that falls into one of those categories, that you are one of the fastest, you are one of the strongest, you know, you are one of the smartest and you have a lot of degrees and accolades. I want you to know that God can and he will use you to do a good work. Amen. But, but if you just so happen to be someone that does not fall into one of those categories, thank God that we serve a father who is not like society. We serve a God. We have a father who specializes in using everyday, ordinary people just like you and me. He's not looking for the fastest or the strongest. He's not looking for the smartest. He's not looking for the one that has the most accolades and the most degrees. He's looking for those who are willing and committed to Amen. do the work. Amen. If you believe deep down on the inside of you that you were created for something more than what you've experienced in your life up until this point. If you believe that 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 you were created for something more then I told you at the very beginning that this series is for you. If you believe that you were born for a purpose and that you was created by God to do something that matters, something that's eternal, then I told you that this series was for you. There may be something that's moving in your life right now. There may be something that's shifting, something that's changing in your life right now. And you're just trying to figure it out. You're trying to, you know, do one plus one equals two. You're trying to just, you know, make it all make sense. And, and but you know that something is moving, something is shifting, something is changing. You're just trying to figure this thing out. This is what I encourage you to do. Do like Nehemiah did. Pray and ask God to give you favor with the right people. Amen. Nehemiah, he prayed and he asked God to give him favor with the king. He knew that the king had the ability to be able to help him with what he wanted to do. And that was to go back to Jerusalem and help his people rebuild the city. What is it that you wanna do? 
what it is what it is that what is it that you feel like you're being moved to do what is it that you feel like is shifting and that is that's changing in your life right now you know uh, and i and throughout this series i've been uh, referencing you know crosstown church and the rebuilding of crosstown church but i want to get a little bit personal with with some of you here today and i want you to think of all of this in terms of your own personal life what's shifting in your life right now what's moving in your life what are some things that are happening in your life ask god pray and ask god to give you favor with the right people and when god gives you favor with the right people then then, then, then this is what our hope is this is where our faith is is that god is going to give us favor with those people you know uh, um nehemiah he saw an opportunity to do something great he saw an opportunity to do something different you know he was just a cupbearer just a cupbearer for the king but when he heard about his people he's like i gotta do something i got to do something i cannot stand by any longer and 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 see my people in this situation god give me favor with the king nehemiah saw an opportunity opportunity and he seized the moment you know the other day i was talking with some people um uh, actually my uncle that passed away I was talking with um, his brother, my uncle that passed away. He's not my uncle by blood, but he's my uncle by marriage. Um, his wife, my aunt, is my dad's uh, sister. And uh, my grandmother, uh, who's now 97, uh, lives with her. Mm -hmm. And so we were at the house and uh, my uncle's brother was uh, in and we were sitting there and we we're talking. And um, um, as we were talking, I, 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 I I don't know how we got on the subject, but we was talking about start talking about my niece Dominique, and Dominique she had got an opportunity. She uh, lives lived here in, in Atlanta, and for many years, um, and she was a nurse, well is a nurse, but during the pandemic time, you know, a lot of traveling nurses, a lot of pe traveling nurses and doctors, and first, you know, uh, yeah, what do they call them? Um, um, essential workers you know moving around the country helping out in situations so anyway she ends up with an opportunity to go to utah and she calls me up and she asked me she's like uncle byron you know i got this opportunity to go to utah blah 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 and uh, she's like i'm just trying to figure out if this is something i should do if i should take it and 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 so she called just to ask me my opinion and i made a statement not to dominique i said something to dominique along these lines but it was differently but the other day when i was in this conversation with my uncle's brother i made this statement and kena you're you're on here you heard me make this statement and when i made this statement it moved me i mean i was like boom <laughs> i was like man I, did i just say that you know what i mean i was like am i the first one who ever said that surely i'm not but when i said it it moved me and 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 um and that statement was this and i want i want you all to really grab hold of this statement and it is this right here an opportunity is not a lifetime commitment it's a right time commitment and nehemiah he saw an opportunity he saw an opportunity to help his people and and and, and he, he when he went to the king and the king saw that he was distressed the king saw that something was wrong with him the king said nehemiah what's wrong with you and he said um man he began to share with him about what was going on and and uh, uh, with his people there and they're having a hard time rebuilding the city and they were vulnerable and all, all types of stuff. He said, I just want to go back and help, you know, and the king asked Nehemiah, he said, well, what can I do to help? Nehemiah said, he said, allow me to go back to Jerusalem 
and to help them to rebuild the city. And the king asked him another question. He said, how long will it take? And the scripture doesn't tell us the answer that Nehemiah gave him in that, but he told, uh, he asked for some more, you know, asked for some more things, okay? But in that, Nehemiah made it clear that it was not going to be a lifetime commitment. He let the king know that it's not going to be a lifetime commitment. So Nehemiah told him how long it's going to take. And the scripture says the king looked at the queen and they both said, okay, you may go. And they let him go. So here's the thing. It's not a lifetime commitment. It's a right time commitment. Nehemiah knew that that wasn't a lifetime commitment, but it was the right time commitment. It's right now that we need to seize this moment. We need to seize this opportunity and to help to rebuild the city. And the king allowed for him to go. One thing I said in the very beginning of this series is that most people have no idea when they're at the beginning of something great. You may be at the beginning of something great right now in your life. Just know that God specializes in using everyday ordinary people just like you Amen. and me. Amen. I end with this with just two quotes. And that is, you can't do something. You can't do big things if you are distracted by small things. <laughs> so wherever so you're at, whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever you're facing with, something, you're at the beginning of something great and you're trying to figure this thing out. Do not get distracted by small things. Do not get distracted by small things. So again, that, that quote is this, you can't do big things if you're distracted by small things. The last quote is this, starve your distractions, feed your focus. So whatever it is, do not allow for distractions to rear you off of what that is, but give attention to your focus. Nehemiah refused to be distracted. Instead, he continued to feed his focus. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.